0: chapter thirty one of england canada and the great war this librivox recording is in the public domain england canada and the great war by louis george desjardins chapter thirty one mister bourassa's dangerous pacifism two historical truths undeniable bright as the shining light of the finest summer day which have triumphantly challenged the innumerable falsehoods to the contrary constantly circulated by germany even prior to the outbreak of the hostilities are First, that all the countries united under the title The Allies have been energetically in favor of maintaining the peace of the world when it became evident for all sensible people that Germany was eagerly watching her opportunity to strike the blow she had prepared for the previous forty years on such a gigantic scale. Second, that once engaged in the conflict against their deliberate will, and in spite of their noble efforts to prevent the war which they clearly foresaw would be most calamitous, they have always remained the staunch supporters of the restoration of peace upon the two sine qua non conditions of justice and durability to achieve these two objectives they have been fighting for now more than four years at tremendous cost of men and treasures and they are determined to fight until victorious they would all lay down their arms to-morrow if the results so important for the future of humanity could be secured with certainty like all great causes peace with justice and durability has had its true and its false friends. The true friends of peace were those who realized from the very beginning of the frightful struggle that it was perfectly useless to expect it if the disastrous Prussian militarism was to be maintained and allowed to continue threatening civilization. The true friends of peace were those who pledged their honor not to sheathe the sword they had been forced to draw, before Germany would acknowledge that she had no right to violate solemn treaties, and would agree to redeem the crimes she had committed in invading the neutral territory of Belgium, which she trampled under her iron heels and crucified. The true friends of peace were those who determined to bring Germany to renounce the abominable principle she has professed, training the mind of her peoples to believe and proclaim that might is right, and the only sound basis of international law. The true friends of peace were those who, however anxious they were to have it restored as soon as possible, fervently praying the Almighty to that purpose, knowing what are the principles of international law recognized by all truly civilized nations, could not forgive Germany, unless she sincerely repented the barbarism she displayed in her murderous submarine campaign, and practiced in Belgium, northern France, and every piece of belligerent territory her armies occupied. The true friends of peace were those who clearly understood that to meet the two essential conditions of justice and durability, it was practically impossible to secure it by a compromise which could not, by any means, protect the world against further german attempts at universal military domination the false friends of peace were those who said and wrote in sheer defiance of truth that the allies more especially england and russia were as much responsible for the war as germany herself the false friends of peace were those who falsely alleged that the allies were preventing it by their repeated declarations that their principal war aim was to destroy not only the german empire but also the german race thus willfully and maliciously pretending that to battle for the abolition of teutonic militarism weighing so heavily on all the nations was equal in guilty knowledge to fighting for an enemy's race destruction the false friends of peace were those who were ready to sanction at any time a compromise between heroic and criminal war aims which would leave future generations to the tender mercies of a sovereign power straining every nerve to dominate the world by the foulest means ever devised the false friends of peace were those whose daily effort was to dishearten their countrymen from the noble and patriotic task they had bravely undertaken with the strong will to accomplish it at all costs knowing as they did that it was a question of life or death for human civilization defeatists as they are called to mean the shameless supporters of peace negotiations to be opened by the allies acknowledging their defeat and the victory of germany there were and there are in all the allied belligerent nations no one need be too much surprised at the hideous fact in all countries at all times under the direst circumstances when it is most important in very distressing hours that all be of one mind of one heart to save the nation's existence are to be found heartless low-minded cowardly beings ready to betray their countrymen rather than stand the strain of their due share of sacrifices or which is still far worse for corrupt motives to deliver them over to the enemy defeatists we have had we have yet in canada in the province of quebec most happily they are few and far between. Imbued with the false notions he has so tenaciously ventilated respecting Canada's participation in the war, it is no wonder that the nationalist leader was sure to be found at the head of the small group of pacifists, at almost any cost, mustered amongst the French Canadians. A sower of prejudices, he was bound to watch with eagerness the growing crop of ill-feelings he was fostering those of us who oppose all and any participation by the dominion in the wars of the empire be they even so just so honourable so necessary under mr bourassa's deplorable leadership were naturally supporters of any kind of pacifism i will not classify the nationalist leader and his dupes as defeatists who were ready to accept peace as the consequence of defeat the real pacifists so far as it is possible to ascertain their views unable, consciously or not, to see any difference in the respective responsibilities of the belligerents in opening the war, considered that they are equally guilty in not closing it. Most happily, such a disordered opinion is shared only by a small minority. It can be positively affirmed that public opinion, the world over, outside the Central Empires and their swayed allies, is almost unanimous that Germany, through her military party and the Junkers element, is responsible for the dire calamity she has brought on humanity. The question of the restoration of peace must be viewed from this starting point, the only true one. The standpoints of the true and the false friends of peace being so far apart, the conclusions they draw are naturally widely different. End of chapter 31